Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. Uh, today, we were talking with James Hadlock at Blue Novus. Fascinating conversation. You guys are going to love this. But we talk about conversion rates on the phone, uh, but more, much more importantly, the empathy that's needed to drive those conversion rates and something that I think is very often missing um, within this field, especially within call teams and BD reps. It's just a different approach. But we talk about how you can drive or change your conversion rate on the phones, especially for multimedia leads from 1% or less, which is what a lot of centers unfortunately convert at, to 10% or more. So you're talking about a 10x increase with the same exact marketing spend, the same number of calls coming in, et cetera, just by improving the way that your team handles the phone. Uh, So really, really important conversation today. As always, the Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., growth experts. They help out with marketing for behavioral health and addiction treatment centers. You can always find out more about them at circlesocialinc.com. Um, also, just giving some background on James, he has an, an amazing story, uh, personal story, obviously, as most of us do here in the recovery space, talking about his journey through addiction and coming out the other side and how he's used that understanding to help other people. But he's also a serial, serial entrepreneur and has built um, businesses You know that were doing $20 million in sales or more. Uh, which is something that a lot of us obviously strive to do from the ownership standpoint with our companies. So he's got the business background, he's got the addiction recovery background, and he's also got just the personal skills that help call centers build their teams and build empathy with people on the phone. When we're looking at client acquisition costs of $400 or less at times, um, which is just something that's absolutely amazing in this field from a multimedia lead standpoint. Um, So very excited to talk through his story. We really get into some deeper issues in the field um, above and beyond just the simplistic conversion rates, what that means. So without further ado, let's let's listen to James. Hey, James, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? I am very well. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, great to be back after Thanksgiving weekend here. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is James Hadlock. I am the founder of an organization called Blue Novus. And I, I do a couple of things. Uh, one is I work with treatment facilities uh, in, a, in the addiction space around improving their close rates and and doing a better job with the the phone calls and the connections that they already have. And then the other, the other piece that you might find interesting is I, I recently over the last uh, five months, I've created an initiative where I work closely with, with big companies in, in being able to address addiction in the workplace differently uh, it, it's, it's something that's been a passion of mine, the former serial entrepreneur and seeing how taboo addiction in the workplace has become. Nobody talks about it, but it is, it's an absolute necessity in today's world because 80% of the people in America that struggle with addiction actually have a job. So that, that's a whole new thing you probably don't even know about, Nick, but uh, it's called the CARE Initiative and uh, something that that I'm just deeply passionate about. Oh, very cool. Just interesting on that. I'm sure you're working with some executives and things. Um, Do you deal with addiction to work? You know, that's a good question. You know, as a matter of fact, we do, although that is not uh, how I get in the doors per se. I, I, you know, I've I've learned kind of like what Amazon did in the very early days. You know, Amazon was just a book book reseller right today you know now today's cyber monday and and they'll you know they're the largest retailer in the world i believe or one one of the one of the top two and uh i'm kind of doing the same thing we have one message which is addiction to drugs or alcohol but as we build that relationship with that organization we become a we become a resource for addiction to just about anything whether it's um, pornography, food, sex, uh, work. Uh, so we have, we have a retreat that we provide called the settled retreat, which is about how to better connect and, and become more calm and, and clear with your life. It's really interesting. Yeah. I was just curious. I mean, uh, you probably don't know, but I worked the corporate world world for a while, uh, at Disney, 
and then obviously I work with a lot of high level CEOs these days and you know people's lives are, are sometimes a mess um, just based off of how much they work and how little they see their families or how little they they relax and find time to meditate or whatnot so I was just kind of curious there um, but a little bit of background for the listeners here so you and I met at the addiction treatment marketing conference in Long Beach and you had a presentation there on the similar topic that we're talking today about better close rates. And I was just really impressed um, both with you overall and the presentation you were giving. So super excited to have you on today. Can you give a little bit of background, you know, where you came from in terms of how you get, got involved helping with centers improve their close rates and what are some of the improvements that you see after working with centers? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so. So I, I've, I've had my own journey. Um, I, as I mentioned, I was a serial, serial entrepreneur and uh, had a company back in 2001, 2002 that was recognized as one of the fastest growing in Utah. We were number 26. And I, I was a punk kid, um, at least you know, in comparison to where I am today. I was, I was 31 years old and, and I had this company doing about 20 uh, million in sales uh, every year and I, I thought I had made it I thought I was at the pinnacle and then uh, very quickly I fell into heavy drug and alcohol abuse uh, lost the company uh, went into deep depression was suicidal and for about a decade I was in and out of treatment I was in and out of the psych ward uh, I overdosed multiple times more times than I can count had multiple DUIs and, and so my, my journey of why I do what I do today really started uh, because of my own personal experiences of addiction. And, and one of the things that I, that I uh, learned over that, that whole experience was is how little I thought of myself, how even though I had all these accolades and all this wealth and, and had seemingly done all these great things, I was, I was scared, I was alone, I didn't believe that I mattered, and the more that I fueled my addiction, uh, the deeper those beliefs became. And then I had an interesting transformation uh, almost 11 years ago, and I, I was suicidal. I ended up um, making a call to my mother and and was able to to stay at her house uh, her my her and my dad's house uh, in idaho and i had a transformational experience and through that process i i not only did i i come out of that stupor of addiction um, i i became very very committed and very uh, passionate about about giving back to the world and and trying to understand my own experience at the time i didn't understand how that transformation worked, and so, so for several years, I I, I just it, it embraced a lot of personal development. I looked at the science, I looked at psychology, and so so over the last several years, I've become a, a bit of a researcher on this idea of personal and leadership development, uh, addiction, uh, and I've looked at you know, gosh, just. I, I, countless um, books and research out there and 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 I've just been fascinated by that and so by default you know when you start doing that a lot of times people are are, are interested in that transformation and for three or four years uh, I, I ended up getting remarried and my wife and I we began working with a lot of professional athletes and uh, working with them around transitioning from sports into post-career, uh, a lot of them, as you probably know, struggle with addiction, divorce, bankruptcy, and, and we became kind of a bridge for a lot of those athletes to really uh, rediscover who they are underneath uh, the professional athlete. And about five years ago, uh, we had a couple of therapists that went through one of the retreats that we were holding, and that just really stuck with, with one in particular. And and he ended up calling my wife and I, and he was super excited. And he said, hey, we're opening up a treatment center. I'm going to be the clinical director. I want you to come check out this, this property. Well, the property was only 15 minutes from where I lived. And so my wife and I, um, we, were, we were preparing to be guests at the Super Bowl down in Arizona to speak at one of the big luncheons down there. 
So I, I was a little distracted, to be honest with you, but there was something about when we walked on that property and we started talking to Mark about what the vision of this, this facility was. And my heart just, just really tugged at me. And, you know, next thing I know, my wife and I are talking to him about being a part of this facility. And at the time we thought, well, gosh, we could provide some of the groups. We could do, you know, some of the family day stuff. And, you know, he was, he was all excited about in integrating some of what he had, had been taught in our retreat. And so he's like, that's great. That's great. But he goes, is there anyone, you know, that could help us with marketing? Well, Nick, I, I'm a marketing guy. Like I've been a marketing guy my whole life. You, you don't you don't go through life being an entrepreneur without learning any things around marketing. And I had no clue what it was about. My wife and I had never been in the industry, but our, we just we resonated with what they were wanting to accomplish. And and because of my own background with addiction, um, we we started to have conversation with him and the owners and. At first, we were just kind of a side note, you know, consulting, but, but the moment that we were uh, uh, accomplishing so much in that space and, and being marketers, if you will, or outreach people, we were making up about 80% of their ad mix, and they had a full dedicated team, and, and this was a side note for us, but we, we were so passionate about helping people, and Long story short, I know, but um, over about a year's time, um, my wife and I ended up uh, kind of leading that, leading that whole department of admissions and marketing for the organization, and we just took to it. We were, we, we were taking the phone calls, we were um, navigating all of the intakes, and it just seemed to be something that resonated with us deeply on both a pers personal level, professional level, but on a purpose level, like helping other people really was at the core of everything that we had ever dreamed of, of wanting to do to, to give back to the world. And, and during that time, uh, when I became the marketing director, you know, we, we had no online presence whatsoever. We weren't doing anything other than on boots on the ground, just building a community and working with people. And, and we ended up, uh, uh, trying out a, a paper call product um, that, that I think a lot of facilities have used or do use. And, and I remember very vividly having the conversation with the, with, with the head of that sales team. And when, when I asked the question, I did know this, Nick, I, I knew what to ask as far as, you know, what was the average cost per admission or acquisition or however you want to want to term that. And I remember him telling me about $2,500 and I, my jaw dropped. I'm like, how in the world are people paying that kind of money for the, you know, for an acquisition, yada, yada, yada. Cause we, we had had so much success just being on the ground and, and being really scrappy and, and resourceful with, with really just, you know, getting out there in the community. And when, when he started to educate me on what, you know, cost per acquisition or cost per admission is, you know, in an online, and, and you know, obviously that that's a part of what you do. Mm -hmm. um, I was blown away. I couldn't believe that people were were paying in upwards of six, seven, eight thousand dollars for a cost per admission. And so, when he said it was one of the best in the world, of course, my first thought and when I expressed to him is, you know, we're just we believe that we're just so good on the phone that I I think we could do a lot better job than that. And he's like, well. You know, you've got a dashboard. You can track every single one of those calls. Why don't you Why don't you report back and let me know on your end as you're as you're doing your analytics and everything, kind of what happens? And wouldn't you know it, within the first couple of weeks, um, our cost per admission was was under four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that's insane from a, a multimedia lead. <laughs> really good. Right. I mean, it, 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 well, and and again. I was I was completely oblivious to 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 this industry or anything out there and and uh, y you know it, it's it's you look at that and, and certainly over a couple of weeks that's not that's not a whole lot of data but over a two and a half year period with not only my wife and I taking calls but with an entire team um, we averaged about seven hundred and seventy dollars, somewhere in that range, as a cost per admission with that particular paper call product. 
and and so about two years ago i get the call back from from the group and and they're like you know this is amazing and and you know can you teach this stuff and and i'm like teach what and he's like well well like do you have a call script do you have do you have some way of you know what's your model what's your system and i'm like our system is compassion our system is we we actually care for the people on the other end of the phone and he goes well well yeah that's all nice and everything but tell me like what is the step-by-step process by which you do that and i'm like we don't have a process man we be like we really just care for people and he's like well we're getting ready to start this this national series where we're going to have people talking about ethics and marketing and all this and that that's that's a super when i explained to him like all of the things and the steps that we would take in a in a in a in a situation with a potential client he's like well that sounds like a process can you teach that and i'm like well i think we could and so we ended up um building out a, a whole system if you will based on empathy and compassion and doing the right thing and really putting the caller first so to us, it wasn't about um, could we get this person in our treatment center. The, the the mindset was how can we help you. That's it. Um, I want to pause you for just a second there, James, and kind of fill in some details for the audience here. Um, so you were you were using a major PPC provider, and just for clarification you were getting the same kinds of calls that every other client of theirs was getting, you know, same number, same quality, you know, more or less, depending on how much you were paying per month. Um, so I just want to clarify for everybody that you were getting that same general mix of calls, but you were bringing them in at a CPA that, you know, was a quarter of what everyone else was doing because of the way that you answered and worked with people on the phone. And I just want to point that out to everyone because we, we do some call consulting as well on our end. And obviously we help listen to calls and provide feedback to a lot of our clients. And one of the biggest issues that we have besides them not answering the phone, <laughs> which is issue number one, um, issue number two is the way that they behave, talk and, and you know, interact on the phone. Um, the conversion rates are just huge. So I just want to point that out to the audience there that it's a lot about putting people first and not putting your scripts or your processes first. It's not mechanics, it's not plug and play, right? There's no magic script, there's no magic system. Um, the system is, is engaging with people in a meaningful way. Uh, so do you want to take it from there and kind of get a little bit deeper into, you know, what kind of, maybe some, as much as you want, the specifics around the training that you provide or specific details about it that you found to be really effective um, for people on the phone? Yeah, no, thank you, and, and that's right. This was apples to apples, which is why I was. I, it, it really got my attention too. Was, well, you know, across the board nationwide, there was no one that seemed to have the kind of numbers that we did, and that was consistent for for a couple of years. And and as I went out on these ethics and marketing, I, this is the truth, Nick. I thought people were going to laugh at me when I when I when I got up there to present, and wouldn't you know it it really resonated with people. And, and I want to be clear here. Uh, and I share this when I, when I did, uh, when I did my, my uh, presentation in Long Beach a, a couple of months ago, there is a very minute difference between good and great. And I, I use sports metaphors sometimes. And if you think about it, um, you, you know, you look at, let's use the NFL because, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of in football mode right now. And if you look at the teams that have gone zero and sixteen or one and sixteen, and the teams that have gone, you know, fourteen and two, if these are professional athletes, these are the elite of the elite. And there is, you go ask anyone who has played professional sports, and because I, I work with a lot of professional athletes, I've asked this question a lot. The difference between those two records is so minuscule, it, it will blow your mind. And so. So every time that I say this, and, and it's the reason I'm taking the time right now to just really emphasize this point, you think you know compassion, you think you know listening, you think you know empathy, but I'm here to tell you there is a whole nother level, and, and, it, and it will be the difference between a 2-14 and 14 team and a 14-2 and a, and a and team. I'm just telling you right now. And so, so as, I, as I share that, because you know just just like you nick like everybody nods their head oh yeah well of course compassion is important of course it's important to take care of 
of, of, of the person on the other end of the phone. You have no idea what a difference it can make when you, when you shift your mindset just slightly. And here's the thing. I totally 100% share all my stuff. Like I, I don't believe in secrets. I believe in sharing all of this. And so I'll give you, I'll give you the goods right here on, on what we teach. And the first, the first piece that I will share with people is people are not calling you for treatment. And, and, and I know people are, who are listening to this are saying, well, of course they are. That, that's the whole reason they're on the phone with me is because they need treatment. Here is the first shift you get to have, and that is understand that people, they don't want to be calling you. I didn't want to be calling a treatment center. It was the last thing that I wanted to do, but because I was, I was struggling so bad and I was so desperate, um, it was, it was, I was kind of painted into this corner. But understanding why people are calling you in the first place, if you just if you were to take this to heart, it would change the way that you show up on the phone call. You would get rid of the script. You would get rid of of, of, of pushing a sale, and you would absolutely become present with that person. And, and it's this one understanding: people are starving for connection. They need to be reminded that they matter. That's awesome. Can I pause you right there so you can elaborate on this a little bit? Because this is something that we talk about all the time with clients. Um, is this idea that you need to listen and get into what's going on with them. What we hear constantly is people trying to move the conversation to a discussion about coming into the treatment center within like the first couple minutes. And that is not the way to go. Like you have to get into these people's lives. You have to hear about their concerns, their reality. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. In fact, I would say this, that if you understand that, that and, and I've asked this question to people in recovery, in addiction, I've asked them this, would it be true that the only reason that you habitually use drugs and alcohol was to fix a feeling? And I have yet to have anyone tell me no. So if you understand that, that people people are, are, are habitually using drugs and alcohol to fix a feeling, well, well, then why can't you give them, why can't treatment start the second that, that you answer the phone with them? Why can't you give them that sense of value and of empathy? And, and, and here's the thing. You can talk all you want about the luxury facility and how great your beds are and how nice the property is and, and you've got the best you know, food on the planet, but they can't touch that. They can't feel that. They can't see that when they're on the phone with you. The only differentiator that you have is you. And if you will take the time to get to know them, and I can promise you they're going to feel something with you. They're not, you're not always going to get them as a patient, but, but, but what if you had a close rate of you know, 700? What if that close rate was in, in that place of seven, $800 per acquisition? Like you're getting most. You're, you're, you're getting so many of those calls because they're feeling something different with you. They're, they're, it's going to move them towards you, and, and they're not even going to know why. They're just going to say there's something different about that person, and, and what's great is they're going to they're relate you to your facility, which means, man, if they're treating me like this on the phone, I wonder what kind of a facility they have. Um, and can you talk a little bit? So from on my end, I always think there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. And I know you're big on the empathy end of things. And we see this a lot with call reps because they usually came up through the center, right? So they went through treatment at the center. Now they're a call rep at the center and they tell their story all the time. So here's my story. Here's how the treatment center helped me. But really, you shouldn't be about you on the phone. It should be about the person you're talking to. And that's where the empathy comes in. So it's more, it's, it's beyond sympathy. The sympathy doesn't convert and the empathy is what makes people feel like there's a real connection um would you agree with that and maybe talk a bit about it yeah there there is and and this is becoming more widely accepted today and being embraced more than ever is the opposite of addiction is connection i find that to be true in my own recovery and i found that to be true in the in the thousands of people that i've worked with and trained and taught that connection really is key, and it's at the basis of everything that we teach uh, in, in our trainings or in our, in our talks. And and the other piece is is, is you're right. Um, if any of you have not seen the empathy versus sympathy, there's a little video that Brene Brown and, and most most probably know that name. She's been on Oprah several times. One of the largest watched 
TED Talk uh, on the planet, but, but uh, somebody took one of her empathy versus sympathy talks, which is only two or three minutes, and they, they converted it into an animated series, which is beautiful. You can easily find it. Just put in empathy versus sympathy, Brene Brown. Um, and and, and it, it, it's the difference between me looking down the well and going, oh, yeah, yeah, poor you, poor you, versus you climbing down into the hole with them and saying, I'm here. How can I help? And what a beautiful visual that is. But that that's the absolute truth. And, and I think sometimes we – so I, I, I shared my story at the beginning of this, but there's a place for that. It typically is not when somebody is calling you um, seeking help. Now, can there be a piece of your story that will resonate with them? Yes, but, but just as you have suggested, focus on them. It's, it should be all about them, not about you. It shouldn't be about your story. It shouldn't be about your facility. It should be all about them. And whether it's a loved one calling or the person who is, is personally struggling with addiction, make it all about them. Yeah, exactly. I didn't call your treatment center to hear about your stories. You know, I called your treatment center so you can listen to mine. Right. Well, and that, and that, that's, that, that actually does dip into more uh, of, of sales 101. I mean, it, it really is all about them. Like, you're solving their problem, and it's not about you, which kind of takes me to, to that other piece, and, and, and that's a very – at the very core and foundation of this idea of connection, one of the things that I've taught and, and is, is something that we've personally developed, this is our own deal, is the art of innate listening. And it is a differentiator when you are on the phones or working with somebody in the community, whatever you're doing. Um, it, it's, and I have found that if you practice this art of innate listening, you automatically connect, you automatically are empathetic, and, and they will automatically feel something different with you. So can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by innate listening? Yeah, so I, I used to use the term deep listening or compassionate listening, which is a term that many people have heard, which is why I started to steer away from it because the assumption was, oh, I already know what that is. And so we coined, I think about a year and a half ago, we decided to move away from using compassionate, empathetic, or deep listening, and we use this term called innate listening, and, and it really is just comprised of a few steps. The first one is to be present, something that you alluded to earlier in the conversation, is, is you know, don't worry about your numbers, don't worry about, even though I know that's important, don't worry about it, you've got to fill the bed, oh my gosh, here's a great call, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's about being with them in the moment, it's about about just being right here right now and and what i've noticed is when you do that you kind of wash away all of those preconceived notions you're not trying to control anything you're just you're just being with you're being with someone so that's that's the first one the second one is is to to let go of of judgments i know this is going to sound counterintuitive but let go of advice let go of, of trying to put them in some type of a box. Here's a great box that we tend to put them in. What kind of insurance do you have? <laughs> um, another box might be even maybe, maybe, I, maybe I abused heroin and, and you abused meth. I'm going to put you in a meth box because, you know, everybody that's, that's done meth kind of acts like this or looks like that. And, and so what, what I invite people to do, and a lot of that comes with being present, but is, is to refrain from, from any kind of a judgment. Like, who, who cares if they have Medicaid? If you really got into this industry to help somebody, who cares if they don't have insurance? You should be just as excited and, and as much of a champion of that person as someone who's got a group Aetna policy that, that, you know, that's got their deductible covered. The next one is is to come from a place of compassion and empathy like we are talking about. So really trying to understand their plight. You know, I, I found it really interesting, and, and I've, I've found myself doing this too when I get a busy head. I forget what it was like to be on the other end of the phone when I was struggling and I was desperate and I was either trying to get out of a, you know, a, a, of, of a, a, a charge that I had for a DUI or, or you know, um, trying to figure out how I'm not going to be on the streets anymore or get out of that jail sentence. I forgot that desperation sometimes, but when I tap into 
that empathy and compassion and that heart space with somebody, my heart just goes out to them. Like I can't even imagine what it would be like to be them. So I asked myself that, what would it be like to be that person right now in this situation where I'm their only solution? And that puts me completely in a different mind space and a mindset of, of truly caring for someone. And then the last one, Nick, this is the big game changer. This is the difference between active listening or, or, or any other form of listening that's out there. And it is to not interrupt, to not um, give advice, to not, to not do anything, but literally just shut up. <laughs> and, and what it's the truth. Right. And, and, and what, what's so interesting about that is Think about every time that you've been interrupted in a conversation, you lose your you lose your track of thought, and, and frankly, it's a form of control by the other person. And and we all do it, okay? We all do it. We all we interrupt. We think we know where the conversations is going, and and we want to move that conversation faster and forward to a close. Here's the problem with that. Um, if if it's true that people who struggle with drug and alcohol addiction are highly sensitive people or, or, or in more in touch with that, which, which a lot of people would probably agree with, they're going to feel even more so when you're trying to control them into a sale. I promise you they will because I totally – I knew that myself. And so when we just be quiet and we allow for them to just share their complete – mess of their life or their complete desperation or whatever it is, what starts to happen is they trust you. You don't have to say a word to build trust. In fact, it's the opposite. And, and, and what, what, what I, and, and here's where, you know, you're doing an amazing job of listening is when, when about five minutes in, they go, are you still on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and and I, I will say, I, I used to get that a lot. And, and the idea behind that is, is to let them be complete and let them get off of their chest. And yes, your phone calls are going to be more than five, 10 minutes. Sometimes they're going to be sometimes, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes, but in all of those cases, they're going to feel a deeper connection with you. They're going to have a trust with you and they're going to listen to whatever it is that, that you have to say when it's time for you to talk. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because we constantly talk to people about that saying, you know, you can't be having these these five minute, 10 minute phone conversations like a good phone conversation is going to be 30 minutes plus, you know, 45 an hour is good, um, which most call centers are not staffing for or most centers in general are just not staffing for even if they don't have a call center. Um, so I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, it's it's a game changer. And, and if you if you really look at the the economics of this. Uh, if, if, if you were to go from a, so, so they na- now say, I've been hearing now, and, and maybe you can correct me, Nick, but I'm, I'm hearing, you know, with, with the landscape of online marketing, that you know, a lot of cost per, per acquisition is around the 4,000 mark. I may, I may be wrong on that, but that's what I'm, I'm hearing as a common. Well, w- what if you could cut that into, into one fourth of that? What would that do for your marketing budget? What would that do for your census? So, so. Uh, what what is an additional 25 minutes on a phone call to ensure that they feel comfortable with you because they they'll follow you to the ends of the earth i still to this day i have not been with a facility um with with that facility where i was the marketing director for a year and a half i still get phone call i get phone calls from therapists i get phone calls from past patients that you know that are looking for and so not only does it help in that moment of need when you're on the phone with them but you build a brand where they will look at you as an indispensable resource. You will be their go-to for just about anything and everything. And so you're building a you're building brand equity that you just can't pay for in, in any kind of marketing online. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah, exactly. I think there's two things I want to point out to what you're saying. So one is, I mean, the conversion rates that happen when you really make a connection with people, because business is all about trust, right? Marketing is about building trust. Sales is about building trust. A lot of people try and hack or circumvent these processes by putting in some kind of script or some kind of system or whatever it is. Um, But that's not what drives real long-term sustainable business. You know, it's something you'll hear me talk about a lot. And a lot of centers have these like 1% conversion rates, especially on multimedia leads, right? Business development is different, but multimedia, like 1%, 
and you're talking about increasing your conversion rate to you know eight percent ten percent i mean that's a 10x increase in results for the same exact marketing spend so if you're not realizing that as a center owner that your call team and how your call team handles the calls coming in is of the utmost importance then you're completely missing the boat in my opinion and that's why you need to talk to people like you james <laughs> and get get you in and have you do some training um because it's just a game changer for the centers well, if you look at it this way, and thank you. So, if you look at it from, you know, you've got to keep you've got to keep burning and churning with that marketing spend, right? Something like this, in getting proper training and gaining a deeper understanding of how to handle those calls and those relationships, it, it becomes a sustainable model. So, so it's a one-time it's a one-time thing that that just will repeat itself again and again and again and again and again. So. So, and I know, you know, it's so funny. People will go, well, since this is low, we got to put more into marketing. What if you were to, and, and whether it's with me or someone else, uh, you know, to me, uh, let me just say this. I want to see an industry that is more ethical, that is more effective, that, because we, I mean, there's a reason Google shut shut down ad spend for a while, isn't there? <laughs> we, we, we have a real problem, and, and, and it's, a, it's an overarching problem of trust in this industry, and this is a way to, to rebuild that trust, one call at a time, one relationship at a time, one family at a time, one person in recovery at a time. It just makes economic sense. It just makes it, – it's, it, it, it's kind of a no-brainer, but I think we've, we've gotten this we're, – we're, we're hopefully ready for a paradigm shift where, where a, a deeper amount of training and really giving people the proper approach – because this is we're not selling cars or refrigerators here. This is not an alarm system. And, and, and that's kind of the approach that people take is, is, is kind of this down and dirty systematic approach. These are human lives. These are people that and I love the beginning where you talked about, you know, the number one problem is to answer the phones. I am blown away on, on facilities that I've called as I've been helping other people. I get a lot of calls to, to help people get into a facility, and I don't get—I don't even get an answering machine. It just rings and rings and rings. You, you could be—you could literally be the difference of someone's life being saved or not. I mean, that—that's the kind of—that's the kind of role that we play when we're taking these calls. And unfortunately, uh, I don't think we—we we necessarily have deepened our understanding of that. Yep, I exactly. You know, I completely agree. And. You know, you're having a phone rep. Let's say you're having a phone rep on the phone for eight hours a day, right? Well, that person can only take one call at a time. If they're taking 30 to an hour long calls, that means that if they're on that phone, they're missing the other calls, right? So you need another phone rep there. You know, so you should have minimum two people, you know, staffing the phones. You should have your ring overflows going to, you know, defaults, whether it's to a clinical director or the owner. I don't care who it goes to. Someone should always be answering that phone, right? And so many centers make that mistake. They're like, well, you know, I don't want to pay for two people. I mean, what's, what are you paying your call reps? 15 an hour, maybe 20 an hour. I mean, so for a hundred bucks a day, you're going to risk the chance of losing an admission or two because you didn't have someone answer the phone. Like it just blows me away from, um, you know, a business standpoint of why you would make that decision. Like you have to have people there. <laughs> well, you, you know, again, if you go back to a sports metaphor with baseball, I mean, if you strike out, at least if you put the ball in play, you have a chance. If right. you don't answer the phone, you have no chance. Right. You have absolutely no chance. Yep. Um, and something else I wanted to mention about that you were talking about before is that trust, right? And trust takes time. And that's something that I think a lot of business owners struggle with, not just in the addiction treatment center space, right? They want to say, okay, let's say that we can do X amount of dollars. Let's say we're doing $10,000 a month and we'll get two admissions in. Well, can we just spend $100,000 a month and then get 10 admissions in? And the reality is that usually you can't, right? And the reason for that is because you think about it, if you walk into a room with 10 people and you say, hey, I have an addiction treatment service you know, we have a center over here. Our program's really good. It will cure you if you have addiction. How many people are going to believe you the first time you walk into that room and tell that story? They don't know you from Adam, right? They've never heard of your center or your program. I don't care how good you are. Doing a five-second spiel is not going to take or not going to have enough time to build the trust that you need. You've got to come back. You've got to build a relationship, right? They've got to see results that you can possibly provide. Like it's very, very hard to do what most centers are trying to do and do like a one touch conversion. 
The reality is that you have to build trust over time. And so you can't just increase your spend to do that. It's increasing spend as you're increasing awareness, as you're getting into the community more. You know, I, I love how you said, talked about boots on the ground in the beginning, but you created a very strong community involved model before you guys started the digital marketing piece. And that's where a lot of centers fall flat is again, they're just running from, you know, person to person trying to get a referral, get a referral. Well, that doesn't build trust. That relationship's not gonna be built over one coffee, right? I mean, we know this as business owners, I think we sometimes just don't think about it. Um, so I, I love that you, you talk about that trust building process. Yeah, in fact, um, if, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share a boots on the ground uh, piece that was so effective. I, I, I mean, it, it even, it exceeded my expectations. Do you want me to share that? I mean, yeah. Because again, I know the call handling is, is a big deal, but l let me talk a little bit about the community piece because that that's a piece that I think um, with the more digital that we've gone, that people have lost a little bit of sense of community. And, and so let me, let me tell you one story. And, and here's the thing. It's based on the same principles of connection, empathy, understanding, and, and with this attitude of how can I help you? Well, this can be translated over to your potential referral sources. So, so I live just outside of Park City, Utah, which is a very famous ski resort town, very similar to a Vail, Colorado. And um, one of the things that we, we decided to do was if we could hit other similar communities that were in the outskirts, we might be able to, you know, maybe, maybe because the assumption was if they're living in a place like Sun Valley, Idaho, or Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or Avail, Colorado, you know, they're going to probably be a little bit more outdoorsy, and our program really was a good fit for that. So we decided to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and for about six or seven months, Yes, I said six or seven months, not, 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 not a one-time deal. We, we began visiting, and one of the first things that I asked when I would go introduce myself, it, I never even talked about, hey, we have a treatment center, and we have this many beds and this, unless they asked me. What I talked about was, hey, we're new. We're new to the community. How can I help you? Like, what, what's the biggest problem that, that you have right now that we can solve? And that was the attitude that we went in. And I'll tell you one in particular story about Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because I think this will resonate with a lot of a, a lot of people, is they had had everybody on the planet go there because it's a very affluent community. It's another big ski resort town. Um, so they've got a big target on their backs. And instead of me going in there and just saying, hey, we've got this great program, I went in there and said, how can we help you? Like, what's the biggest problem that you that the, the, the community faces um, with with the, like for your your providers here, and and one in particular executive director who's since become a friend, she said, well you know we live out kind of in the boonies here, and we don't really get that many opportunities for CE credits for our therapists. And I'm like, really? Well, what what if I could what if I could provide that for you? And she's like, really? So so after about six or seven months with zero referrals, by the way, zero. Um, I talked with our medical director, who happens to be an addictionologist, and, I'm, and, I, and I said, hey, what if, we, what if we went to Jackson Hole and you provided some CE credits, and then we did like a community outreach for families, and we, we did some, you know, some free education for anyone who wanted to attend this, because they just don't get that kind of stuff in that town. Mm -hmm. He agreed to it. We were excited. We ended up doing, a, 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 we did a, 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 we did CE credits for the therapist in the morning, we went and, and did a, some community outreach with all the emergency room doctors and nurses. And then we did a family night for anyone who wanted to attend. And we had, in this little community, we had over 60, 60 people attended um, this, this family event that we did that evening. And within um, just a couple of weeks, we had eight referrals. Nice. Eight referrals. Wow. So, but again, it goes back to this idea of what can I do for you? I, I think we take this of, hey, I've got this facility. Look what I can, and, and, and we, we, we kind of come, come at it from a very me-centered approach, even though we, we see it as, oh, we can provide you with this service. But I'm talking about really, really going out there and, and solving their problems because their problem isn't, isn't finding a treatment center, newsflash. Right. There's, there's what, 15,000 of them across the country. Their problem is going to be something else. 
you solve that problem, you build trust, you will absolutely, you'll you'll get those kind of results where all of a sudden you become, you become a a, a massive provider for, for them in so many different ways. So anyway, I love that. I love it. It's great. You know, I mean, I think even from my own company standpoint, right? You know, a lot of people ask, like, what do you do? And my answer is often strange. I say, well, we solve your problems, right? You know, and they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, a lot of people come to us and say they need SEO or they need Facebook campaigns and they need BD support. And lots of people do that, right? And these guys asking us don't know what it means. They don't know what SEO really entails, right? If they did, they, they'd be doing it internally. Um, so it's like, no, we come in, we see what your problems are. You know, is your census low? Or your call rate's not converting? Is your BDT not bringing in enough referrals? What's going on? And then let's build solutions around that. And it's a different approach, um, but you're, you're solving problems for people, whether you're doing marketing or whether you're doing addiction treatment. I think that's so important. Um, one thing I want to jump on that we've been kind of, dancing around but haven't really hit on is the calls for SAMHSA. You know, everyone's talking about Medicaid, you know, no finances, no resources. I mean, people will always say this, right? It's like when you walk into a Best Buy and a salesperson approaches you, the salesperson says, how can I help you? What's your immediate response? Your immediate response is no thanks, right? Or just looking, you know, um, or I don't really have a lot of money today. You know, that's because we don't want to talk to the salesperson, right? Um, but clearly, you know, a lot of the calls that you had coming in were having similar responses, but you were converting them better. So why, or can you talk a little bit about what you do that was able to bring in conversions for people that would have normally been hung up on or been transferred to SAMHSA within the first two minutes of the conversation? Yeah, I, I don't think we ever transferred in, in the entire, I know I personally didn't ever, we never did. We never, we never did that. What we did was we would explore every possibility with that individual to get right to the root of, of really what their situation was, what their economic situation was, what their insurance situation was. But that was down the road. And when I mean down the road, that's like at the end of the conversation to try to figure it out, which is one of the reasons that we really would, would dig into finding out exactly where they were at because when you do that, then you can start to matchmake. Yeah. And and matchmaking was and, and here was our here was my policy. This is how my wife and I went about it. We didn't just give you a phone number to um, you know, to maybe a place that had Medicaid. We would get off the phone with you, we would then call that place and we would connect the two. I did not leave this to chance ever. It was it was we we, we never just gave a phone number, we never just gave a website. We would actually get a, a live person and then we would connect those two, and then we would demand in that referral. Well, demand's a strong word, but we would ask. <laughs> we would ask, and, and and hopefully get that person to follow up with us to let us know where that ended up in, in, in the. Because it again, it, it's about caring for the person. But here's what would happen. Um, I'll give you one situation in particular where the dad even called me. You know, nine nine ten months later to just tell me what a difference I personally had made in his family's life. Here was a, here was a, a, a professional who had been a hotelier. He was a manager of a, of a big brand hotel. Um, so, so business professional that was struggling with addiction. When he called, he's like, yeah, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, after a very long conversation with him. And by the way, he did mention, he goes, you know how many places I called that didn't even answer their phone? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? <laughs> yep. Um, but, but he, and he was from back east, so, so he had a Blue Cross policy that we, we were out of network. He was going to have to pay a, a significant amount of money um, for, for coming to our facility, just straight up, and we're very transparent about that. And so I committed to him that I would help him find another place, and I did. I went to work, and I found three or four other places that might be a good fit. And then when I got back to him later that day, he's like, you know what? Like the way you've treated me and the way that I felt, he goes, we would rather pay cash. Our family has the ability to do that than to be get, to get referred to somewhere else. And I had him, I had him a place where he was going to have no money out of pocket. Not only did he come and have a tremendous experience, but it, it, it stuck with his dad and his dad called me, you know, six, seven months after he was out of treatment. And he just said, listen, the way that you treated my son and our family and how you were with us our treatment started with you. And I, I will say this, my wife 
had more cash pays than anybody else in, 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 in the two and a half years that we were with that facility. And I think a lot of it was is because once you, you know, we didn't, we weren't scared about asking. Um, once we built that trust, you can ask anything, which is another key. You build the trust, they're not going to be offended when you ask. And, and when they know that you're going to help them no matter what, they're going to open up to you about the truth. And, and so we found, yes, did we spend a lot of time placing people that had no money and no insurance? You bet we did. And you know what happens with those? When they have a friend who has, who has a need, they call you. And, and a lot of those times that they did have the ability to pay and you still stuck out to them. So it goes back again. The economics folks are, are here. They are absolutely, this is, this is, this is being a 14 and two team versus a two and 14 team. Yeah. I love it. I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's something that I think so, so amazingly few business owners get. And it's interesting because, you know, I always have this discussion, well, how did they get so successful without understanding these principles? Um, but there's just differences, you know, when there's less competition or you get lucky or there's a strong need or demand in a certain area. You know, there's lots of reasons that businesses can succeed in the short term that doesn't lead to long term sustainability. You know, we had a client um, while well, we still have the client where your behavioral health treatment program, right? It's cash pay only, so $15,000 cash pay. And when we first started working with them, the constant feedback was like, well, the leads aren't good enough, right? I can't convert these people because they don't have the money. And so we worked with them on the conversations that they were having on the phone and said, well, start you know, building empathy and getting to know these people. And what happened is they suddenly started converting at 10%, right? And it was a huge game changer for them because what happened instead of having arguments on the phone about trying to get them to pay or the cost of the program, what happened at the end of the call was the person was trying to figure out how to pay, right? They're like, I don't have the money, I don't, but I want to get into your program. It was a completely different conversation, right? Because so much trust had been built up and so much respect had been built up on that phone call. And then that's when you can get into your options, right? Maybe it's opening up a credit card. Maybe you have family that has resources. Maybe they take out a second mortgage on their home, right? And, and sometimes centers shy away from those kind of conversations, but they shouldn't because at the end of the day, you're saving a life, right? And yes, taking out a second mortgage on your home is not great in terms of debt, but it's better than being dead, right? I mean, it's better than continuing the life that you're living most likely. So you're helping people find the solutions. And if you truly believe that your center is the best place for them to be, then there should be no concerns on your end about helping people with those financial options, even if it means taking on some additional debt. Um, but it's just, you know, it's exactly what you're saying. If you change that conversation, the, the sales conversation doesn't even happen. The person initiates on, on the phone and they say, how can I get in? And then you walk them through financing options, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, you're, you're, you're right on it. And, and I'll say this, what's interesting is, is I tend to attract uh, more of the elite facilities that already have a sense of this and they want to take it, you know, they want to go from the minor leagues to, to all-star team or all-star players. Um, but it, it works across the board. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care what kind of phone calls you're getting. I don't care what kind of a facility you have this taking this kind of a mindset and this approach will improve across the board. I mean, what's interesting is th this is really steeped in a ton of leadership development. And, and, I, and I'll say one other thing that just kind of reached out to me as you were talking was, uh, and, and, and this is, it's not really off topic, but it kind of is still, the best marketing is, is your program. And, yes. and so, right. And, and you said something there about if, if you don't, Hey, listen, if you don't believe in your program, if you wouldn't send a family member to your program, go find another one that you do trust. You know, the, the key here is, you know, and from the marketing perspective and what we're talking about now, we're always talking about the inquiries coming in and admissions, but the true value of your program and its true sustainability is dependent on the clinical excellence and the quality of your programming. If you are really good on the phone and you get people into your treatment program and it sucks, so you've got high AMAs or you have no referrals coming out, your, your program's still gonna die, right? You can't afford to constantly be yeah. marketing, bringing in new people with high AMA rates, no referrals, et cetera. So your number one issue is always clinical excellence, right? 
make sure that your process of trust that you built connects to what you're offering in your program. I mean, even from a marketing perspective, right? We won't work with a client unless we understand their clinical program um, because you can't market craft. Yeah. You, you've got to market quality. Right. And that starts with what you're offering, what your value is, not just pretty words on a page. Exactly. Absolutely. So, James, can you um, give just a couple real quick examples? We've covered a lot, but is there anything specific that you've seen um, centers do or reps do that are big no-nos? And then also, you know, what are maybe some other things that we haven't covered that are really smart things to be doing um, to be more effective on the phones? Yeah, so so number one we've already talked about is you've got to answer the phone, people. You've got to be attentive to those calls. And I, you know, I like the idea of having, uh, having those calls be forward forwarded. If you're not able to answer them, you know, we, we used a virtual call center called grasshopper that worked really well that we would just do, we do a call blast and then it would roll over to a few backups. So, so that, I mean, we, we made like, that was, that was number one. Number two is if you are asking for insurance in the first five to 10 minutes, um, you, uh, are 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 trying to force a sale? Yep. Period. That, that that you know. In fact, we 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 even went to the place of we wanted them to ask. And, and now, when it came up for us, and we knew that it was time to to have that conversation, we did. But it it was so last on our mind, and it really, if you really care about the people that you're wanting to to help. Then, then that that should be just it should come out more organically. So, so, so just keep that in mind. And then, lastly, like you don't even have to remember all the stuff I've talked about around innate listening or or not giving advice or not interrupting. Just if if you were to if you just come in with that mindset of understanding that they're not calling you for treatment, they're calling you to be reminded that they matter, that there's hope, that there's an option for them. Um, and, and that you're just wanting to connect with them, that trumps everything. I mean, that, that's at the very core. And, and, and the great thing is use that in, in all your conversations. Use that amongst yourselves and staff. Use that, use that with the loved ones. Use that when you're talking to referrals or potential, uh, you know, potential uh, providers. Uh, it, it, will, it will make a huge difference in everything that you do. Uh, on the ground, same kind of thing uh come from a place of how can i help you like how can i really help you not i have a bed for you to fill and you know hey you got anybody for me this week right that's it that, that's kind of pretty simple man i mean it's it, it's not easy but it's pretty simple yeah yeah right i agree right it's it's simple to understand but it's very hard to put into practice there is a lot of training and habits that have to be built um Oh, something I want to mention that we didn't cover too. It's very similar to what we talked about, but pre-assessments, right? Sometimes people have really long pre-assessments and pre-assessments okay to, you know, ha- have something for newer call reps just to help them guide through the conversations. But the reality is that most pre-assessments are designed for the treatment center, right? What drugs do you take? How long have you been taking those drugs? You know, if you have any criminal problems and it's not really about the person. And so you have a problem there, right? Is your pre-assessment that these call reps are using on the phone designed to help the person on the phone or is it designed to help your center place them or whatever it is? You know, so if it's designed for your center, then you're doing it wrong, right? You should have that pre-assessment screen around them. Yeah, that, that's post that initial conversation for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, James, amazing. It was just fantastic having you on. I love everything that you're talking about here, and I, I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, if people want to reach out and contact you, how can they do that? So a couple of ways. Uh, here's my um, – our website is is just our company name. It's www.bluenovus.com, and that is spelled B as in boy, L-U-N as in Nancy, O, B as in Victor, U-S bluenovus.com uh, my email is just james at bluenovus.com and feel free to reach out to me on social media uh, you can find me really easy uh, just to, at james hadlock in, in most cases and then uh, our phone number if you want to if you want to reach out via phone uh, we have a toll-free number it's just 866 blue novus and that's uh, just 866-258-6688 
Perfect. I'll be actually. I'm going to the treatment valuation conference in Scottsdale in a couple of weeks. Uh, just wondering, are you going to be there at all? You know what? I, I have some conflicts. I won't be there uh, to that event, uh, even though I've got a lot of friends that'll be there. Okay, <laughs> I was just wondering. All right. Well, great, James. Well, I really appreciate you having you on, and to all our listeners out there, as always, the, the Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc. Uh, www.circlesocialinc.com. Experts in strategic marketing and growth for treatment behavioral health centers. You can find the Recovery Executive Podcast wherever podcasts are found: iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc. Either download or stream in your car. We thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.